The Past Podcast is sponsored by SousVTools.com, the home of all your sous vide and modernist cooking equipment for both professional chef as well as all you budding home cooks. Visit SousVTools.com and enter The Pass. And I'm just going to clarify that's all one word and it's all in capitals. So enter The Pass at checkout and you'll receive an exclusive discount for all The Pass Podcast listeners. That's nice, isn't it? It's time for the past clear down. Now, you know what that means. It's the last episode of the series. No. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that we're going to be back. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's always, it's demand. And uh, if you demand it, then we'll be back. So if you email me, paul at thepastpodcast.com or tweet me at thepastpod, um begging me please uh, to return with some more chats then I'm sure we will do so really fantastic series I just wanted to take this chance to say I've really really enjoyed this series I think it's come on in so many ways and it's just such a pleasure to chat to such a broad range of individuals you know at all various different stages of, of their careers and this episode is is quite special as well for me because it's the first ever international guest. So it's done down the line, as they say, in the biz, I think, uh, over Skype. And it's with a fantastic, fantastic guy. I might say his surname wrong, but I'm going to stick to one pronunciation in Nick Kokonis. So you might have heard of a company called Tok. And if you haven't, You've certainly heard of a restaurant called Alinea, and Nick is the sort of creator and founding father of Alinea Restaurant, which is one of the best restaurants in the world, with head chef Grant Ackerts in Chicago. And Nick set up a company called Tok, which is a reservations company. And we're going to talk about the sort of various challenges that the industry faces at the minute with no-shows and cancellations. And we're also going to talk about how Tok tries to combat that yeah really fantastic chat i just want to say thank you to all my guests this year all of the guys at obsession adam handling callum franklin Chantel nicholson of course paul ainsworth tom aitkins i really hope i haven't missed anybody there i'm going through my list i don't think i have Chantel nicholson or did i say i'm pretty sure i said Chantel nicholson yes and of course Thanks to the sponsors this year, Suvi Tools. What a wonderful partnership we've had this year. And of course, the Welcome to Lead series, which has been going out as always. Really great to work with the guys from Welcome to Leeds to show off the things that are going on in Leeds. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm waffling now. Longest waffle. This is Nick. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends, subscribe, email me, tweet me, come around my house for dinner, whatever. I'll see you soon. What what I'm um, quite interested in to sort of kick us off as a starter is, especially with your background, is... Um, how much a no-show, I'm not talking about right now like a late cancellation, I'm talking about like a no-show when, you know, they haven't received like a sort of prepayment, how much that actually like affects a restaurant? Yeah, so the answer is a lot, but in some ways that are not always obvious. 
Um, and so the obvious way we'll cover first, which is, let's say you have a 40 seat restaurant and on a Saturday night you do 80 covers, right? You do 80 people a night. So you turn the whole, the whole room once, um, you have a, a table of four that no shows, um, that's 5% of your business out the window there. Right. So, um, obviously economically, uh, you know, if no shows are running 10, 12%, um, that's an enormous financial burden on the restaurant. Um, any rational restaurant would then do the following, which is they would overbook just like the airlines do. Right. And so they will, uh, intentionally overbook by that five or 10%. And that's why on a Saturday night, anywhere in the world, uh, when you go to a, a really popular restaurant at 8 PM on a Saturday night, they will, uh, basically say, go wait at the bar if there is a bar. So, um, that's not because they're running behind. It's because they never had that table in the first place. So one of the consequences of, of the no-shows is that, uh, it results in worse hospitality for all of the people who are, who are honest players, right? So if you're the kind of person who's honest and says, Hey, I'm going to make an eight o'clock reservation and I always show up or cancel 24 hours ahead. Great. You're in the 90%. You're in the majority you're a good person um, <laughs> and your experience is going to be worse because the restaurant has to lie to you and tell you that they have that table ready um, because 10% of the people are just lying to them. And so, uh, you know, people don't like when I say that, like, Hey, a, a reservation is, is oftentimes two people lying to each other. One says, you know, hey, we'll show up. And the other says, yeah, we'll have the table ready for you. And they're both lying to each other. <laughs> um, but, you know, a fair amount of the time, that's really true. And I think we all know this intuitively. Like, I think we know that, you know, we've come to just expect, hey, if I go to a, a popular restaurant on a Saturday night, uh, I'm not going to get seated at my reservation time. Uh, or if uh, I, you know, if, if I look online um, on a Friday or Saturday night, all the seven and eight o'clocks are going to be gone. But when I pick up the phone to call miraculously, Hey, they have one. Um, and so you were conditioned to these responses without even thinking of the why of them. And because I came from outside the restaurant industry when, um, you know, prior to building Linea, when I got there, uh, I was a diner. Uh, I, I was not a business owner. Uh, I was not a restaurant owner. And so I got there and I would answer phones one day a week, each, each week just to learn about the customers and every single customer thought I was lying to them. I could just feel like, you know, when you talk to someone, you go like, I don't think they're telling me the truth. <laughs> uh, and then I had the, the weird disposition where I would just go like, no, like I want you to come, but we have no tables three Thursdays from now, even though it's your anniversary. And they'd be like, how is that possible? And they just knew that I was, I was lying to them. And I finally realized it wasn't because I was lying to them. It's because they were conditioned by all of their other interactions with restaurants over many years um, to, to feel like, well, you must have a table in your pocket because, you know, because most You're restaurants just are just one away. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, we always said, yeah, I, I hold two tables a night, um, but I hold them for industry, press, and regulars. Are you any of those three? And they would go like, no, but it's my anniversary. I go, okay, I'm taking that, I'm taking that as a no. Um, but you know, and so like everyone did that. I just did it transparently. And so ultimately, um, when we built next and the aviary, I wanted to, uh, create a system that was equally transparent. 
And, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was really controversial. It, the, the most obvious things are often controversial, you know? I want to I want to talk about the restaurants that you've been involved in, especially because um, I'm I'm a massive fan uh, all the way over here of them. But uh, the main purpose is is to talk about talk. So we'll we'll start with that line, and then hopefully we'll we'll deviate you throughout the conversation. Ask me anything you want. Fantastic. We're on here. Let's fly. Good. Um, what I wondered was if it had, if it had almost come about talk, like you, you started talking there about your honesty. If maybe it had come about through a frustration that you started to notice around the ways that customers book and, and that, like you say there about that having to be honest and these people being conditioned. I wonder if it was almost like you were frustrated. So then you started to look for the answers. I was frustrated on their behalf. It was a really absurd situation where you have something that's incredibly popular. We were very fortunate that people wanted to go to, to the restaurant. Uh, and we would have, on the first of the month when we would open up two calendar months out. So if it's like May 1st, June would already be booking, July would be booking. And then all of a sudden we'd, we'd open September up and there'd be like a wave of phone calls. And this was in 2006 you know, or 2007. And, you know, everything else I did was on the internet. Like, you know, it's like you don't book a popular concert by picking up a phone. I mean, you don't do anything else. It was the only thing left that I was using a phone for. And I was on the receiving end of, of that, like, and we had five people answering the phones and I just literally on the back of a piece of paper went, well, if we talked to every customer for, for three or four minutes, which is kind of the minimum, we can't answer the phone enough to book a month. And then when I wake up the next day, I'm going to have 150 voicemails and that's going to be five hours of voicemails <laughs> And people are going to, someone's going to have to listen to all of these, write down the request and then call them back and say, no. And by the way, if you don't call them back, you are a lousy business who doesn't care about their customers. If you do call them back, you're disappointing them because they're like, well, I tried to call you yesterday. And yeah. if you had answered the damn phone, we, I would have gotten my anniversary dinner. Uh-huh. So my frustration was we were always saying no to customers and there was no easy way for them to check on anything. So then you say, well, there's open table, like in the U S you know, open table has like the vast majority of the market share. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go to open table and they ask you two questions. When do you want to come? And what, you know, how many people are you? Mm-hmm. So you go like, Oh, four people on this date. And it goes nothing within two hours of that. And I used to say, it's like going into like, you know, um, well, you'd say a jumper shop, right. Or a sweater shop here in the U S and they don't have anything on the shelves. And you say, you know, I want a, a black V-neck cashmere in a medium. And they go, yeah, we don't have that. Try again. <laughs> and it's like, just show me the freaking sweaters, man. Like, I, I came in here to buy a jumper. I want a freaking jumper. Display them. Yeah. And weirdly, like, no reservation system did that. And I'm telling you the reason why is because they don't want you to know what they have around those peak times and whatnot. Because the old art of the phone used to be like a major D who worked the phones, who overbooked in order to deal with the no-shows and the VIPs and this and that. And I was like, that's all bullshit. Let's just put it all out there. When it's sold out, it's sold out. Everyone can see it. It's fair to everyone. We're still going to hold back two tables. We're going to even be honest about that. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, 
weirdly, nobody would listen to me. My own staff thought it was a stupid idea. <laughs> Everyone in the industry thought it was a stupid idea. I called all the booking systems, all thought it was a terrible idea. Um, and the more people were telling me it was a terrible idea, including my own team, the more I was like bullheaded and like, <laughs> yeah, I want to do this. Well, yeah, because it's like if you see something really, really clearly and it's blue and everyone in the world tells you it's red, you just want someone to look at it and go, yeah, it's clearly that's blue, like anybody. (laughs) And so if not, you're going to build like a giant version of it. I hope someone sees it, you know, and that's like when we built next, that's, that's what we did. Like I, I, I couldn't get anyone to do it. So I did it myself. And, um, I, it was fairly terrifying. I mean, like, you know, it's like I was building a a $3 million uh, investment uh, restaurant with other people's money and my own, but I take that responsibility very seriously. And uh, you spend a year building that. And then on top of that, I was building a computer system, which was untested. And um, maybe no one was going to show up. And the day we were opening, it wasn't working yet. And so Grant Ackett's, you know, was calling me going, how many people should we prep for tonight? And I said, prep for like, how, how many do you want? And you, <laughs> night, you don't do as many. And he was like, you know, we want to do 54 tonight. And I was like, okay, prep for 54. And I had no backup plan. Like I intentionally didn't buy phone lines because I knew that it would be a crutch essentially to have a phone line. And so uh, we finally launched it at about noon. It crashed because instead of being like 500 people on it, there's like 12,000 people on it. And then when I finally got it up and running, um, we sold $562,000 of prepaid reservations in the first 24 hours. They were literally, they were literally being purchased so quickly that they would disappear from my screen. And I thought it was a computer glitch. Like I thought the system wasn't working because it was being bought <laughs> like so a great, like a crack in the matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really, I have some video of it because I was, and I hadn't slept in days just trying to get it ready. I mean, it was like classic startup thing, you know, the pizza box, a couple of wine bottles, you know, like, you know, all, all that stuff, the same. like, you know, like bad three day beard growth, you know, smelly, <laughs> uh, all that. But you know, those are the times for me, at least as an entrepreneur and all that, those are the times that you get like once every 10 or 12 years. You paint a very you kinda... different picture sat on the, on the screen opposite me now. So you, well, you've grown gonna, since then. Well, I'm, I've grown a lot older, um, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think that whenever you get a chance to do something that's disruptive, that's, that's, you know, we're still in the process of educating people. We're still in the process of doing that. The reason I, I say yes to podcasts and, and BBC equally is because, um, you know, it's one person at a time. It's one mind at a time that you change. It's one restaurant at a time. It's one diner at a time. And um, for me, it's really important about getting these ideas out. And by the way, I think these ideas are, they're not unique to what I'm doing or to talk or to our restaurant group or whatever. What's fascinating to me is that, um, you're in, uh, like what would, would you be called the North of England? I would, you're the kind of the, the, yeah. So you're in the North of England and it works there just the same. Yeah. Uh, we're talking, we're talking over the internet. The culture of the world is digital at this point. Governments are having a very hard time keeping up with that change. Um, but every single business, every single social um, network, and I don't mean like the online social networks, but every people's lives are, are increasingly digital and, and time and place matter less and less. 
And so consequently, as a business, you need to, um, you need to be available to people everywhere and all the time. And, uh, it's just, it's really obvious what you need to do. It doesn't mean like restaurants think it's bad hospitality. You get rid of a phone. And I'm like, I don't want you calling me on my cell phone. It's in my pocket. Like you shouldn't disturb me to confirm a reservation. You know, I'm going to dinner in three days. I don't need to talk to, to Mary on the phone and get that personal touch. I just need a text message from Mary. Like the people, my wife doesn't call me. Why should you restaurant? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we, it's changed. Behavior has changed. Insight so into your relationship after that. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, well, I mean, like if, if my wife's upstairs and I'm downstairs, she will text me. Yeah. Instead of, instead of screaming through the house. Right. That's, pretty normal well, I think. It, it's it's funny that you said you know about me being based in, in like you know the north of england because i booked a, a restaurant called home in leeds a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago and i booked it through talk um yes and you know a lot of the um man behind the curtain in leeds is talk as well yeah and it, it seems to me that you probably had the sort of perfect guinea pig test environment through your restaurants when you were, you know, first starting the business. But I wondered when that light bulb moment or, or, or the confidence moment maybe came about to say, do you know what? I'm going to try and sell this into other businesses now. Yeah. The, the confidence moment was pretty clear. And that was, you know, early on because it was different, like the press here in the U S like mainstream press, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, like big time magazines like Fast Company, Business Week, they all covered it. And it's good for the ego, but it doesn't build a business, right? Um, But what happened was a couple of other sort of copycats came along and they built some iPhone apps, quick and dirty, and went like, wow, if this guy can sell tickets to a restaurant on Saturday night and have a big wait list, there must be other restaurants that can do this. So we're going to pocket some of that money and we're going to let restaurants, we're going to sell tickets for them. And I kind of thought that that was like a terrible business model that didn't really understand the problem that the restaurants were having. Um, and so I wrote a long blog post in July of, um, 2014. It's on the Alinea blog. So if you Google, if your listeners Google Alinea tickets blog, it's still up there. And so in July of 2014, I, I woke up one Saturday morning all pissed off and, and, uh, had a fire going over this New York times article. And, um, just said like, here's all of our data. You know, I'm very open source. Um, I often let people see our financials for our restaurants, other restaurateurs and whatnot. Um, because I wanted people, I, I wanted someone to learn from when I was starting out. And so I'm kind of like, here, yeah, sure. Like you can do better. Like this is, look, here's proof. Um, and so I wrote this blog post, gave away a lot of our data. And um, it was immediately read like a million times, had like a million unique views in like a week or two. And not just from people in the restaurant business, but from like behavioral economists and the Financial Times quoted it and the Economist and like, you know, international, you know, magazines and, and financial journals and whatnot. And um, I recognize I struck a chord with businesses in general. And so I, I just kind of went like, now is the time. I think the world's catching up. So I emailed Brian Fitzpatrick, who was a friend of mine. He was the head of Google Chicago. I met him a few times and uh, said, Hey, I, I really need to hire a few engineers and, and build this properly. So it, it could sell to other restaurants. And he came over to my house and told me all the reasons why building a piece of software like that, that scales, you know, globally and uh, enterprise class was 
a difficult task and all of that. And then two weeks later, he kind of agreed with me and quit Google after a 10 year career. And I, I raised $2 million from sort of leaders in both tech and uh, the restaurant industry. And we launched it in December, 2014 with uh, two employees and, you know, that's it. And about nine months later, we had our sort of MVP, which in software world is minimal viable product. So it was uh, the new version of talk. And uh, we had 18 restaurants launch on it in the first week or two. And uh, from there we've, we've, built it out and the back end of it is it's incredibly robust. It has hospitality tools as CRM. It integrates with Facebook and Instagram. It does all these things I used to dream about, but now we have a team of 34 people building it. And, um, it's really cool for me. And I don't know why this is. And I, I, I have, I'm getting, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I suspect I might know the reason, but it's interesting to me that we have had a lot of adoption in the UK and in smaller markets in the UK as well. So yeah, we, we've had Clove Club in London for a couple of years and they were early and, and, and all that. They, they were but, the first um, place that I saw actually that had top yeah, cut was high. Yeah. And they're, and they're terrific. They're forward thinking in both their cuisine, their excellence, you know, and this makes perfect sense for them that they'd be an early adopter. But what's interesting, and this is happening in the US too, is that smaller restaurants in secondary markets Manchester, Leeds, and America, Kansas City, Minneapolis, places like that, um, they have a, a, a more of a risk-taking mentality um, because harder to make money in a smaller market um, than it is in London. But also, in a weird way, they, have, they can force the issue a little bit. Yeah, completely agree. The, if you're the best restaurant in Minneapolis or you're the best, you know, five of the best restaurants in, in Leeds, Manchester, um, your customers are coming no matter what, mm. you know, you want a Michelin starred experience in Leeds. Like there's only a couple of places to go. You want it in London. There's, there's a fair number, right? Yeah. So the, the willingness to take some risk and lead the way actually happens in these secondary markets first. And, um, and so it's been really fun for me personally to talk to chefs, uh, you know, uh, in the UK, but also in, uh, you know, we have like Heron and Gray in Dublin, like, you know, out of the blue, they called me up and they go, yeah, when can we get started on this? It wasn't even like, let me see it. Let me understand it or whatever. They just went like, when do we start? Um, and <laughs> that's an easy sales so, pitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, really great things. Yeah. Really great things. Um, sell themselves. Uh, and so, and we've been very fortunate that we get to work with like the, the market leaders in, uh, I think we're in 62 cities and 14 countries now. And we're in some countries that English isn't the, the primary language even, but no other system does what we do. And so they're like, well, as long as the front, the consumer facing part can be in German, uh, we'll, we're fine with the back end in English. Nah. Even though their employees' first language is, is German, French, you know, uh, you know, what, what have you Dutch. So, um, it's, it's pretty wild. It's been very interesting and fun for me because I get to have conversations like this with people all over the world. Uh, the thing for me as well, like obviously I'm, I'm growing like a, a podcast at the minute. So what I do is, you know, you go into the people who you think are going to add a little bit of cachet to it. 
you know so sure. you, you go into people that are well respected well known and you're and basically you're hoping that they're going to say yes with with oh, various, right. and they have an audience they have an audience of their own right and so their people find you then right well, yeah with you know and some with 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 varying degrees of success but when, when i go onto a restaurant now and i do a lot google and i restaurant and i look up their page and then i go to make a reservation i can sometimes now i can tell it's that slightly better forward-thinking restaurant because they've got your system in like your homes like your man behind the curtain kasamia in bristol and and i wondered if that was a part of your thinking is you know if we go for these real big guys these these sort of big people that it adds a, a an element of cachet to the business yeah i mean for what we're doing it's exactly the same thing we want to get the market leaders and um, their clientele using talk and they are also the people who have the greatest chance of success in using uh, our software right so um they have the most to gain because we can actually like look if you're a failing restaurant there might be 50 different reasons why you're failing and moving your booking system over is going to prove things for you, but it might not save you. If you're a thriving business and you move to talk, you're going to make a lot more money. And so those people get passionate about it and are like, yeah, we thought we were doing well, but now we've eliminated no shows down to 0.4%. And all of a sudden, like we didn't realize how much difference that is. Um, and so at, at the end of the day, like it's sort of what Tesla did, um, by building like the expensive cars first, um, and then moving down market, it's like, you know, we went for the luxury kind of places first. And now, um, what's happening is that people see that it works for them and go, Hey, you know what? Like, you know, I think we can do that too. Uh, it gives them a sense of confidence. Well, uh, what I found really interesting. So I did the, um, I did a Northeast feast special with, um, Danny Parker, Josh Overington and Tommy Banks here from the UK. And Danny was saying, you know, uh, like this, if you, if you book a ticket for a football match, you pay up front. And then if you don't go, you, you don't then ring up the football club yeah. and go, yeah, of by the way, I didn't go like, can I have my or, money back? Yeah. Or like, the the game wasn't so great that day just by chance give me my money back it's the only or you go to the theater and you go oh i didn't really like that movie very much like you're not going to like every restaurant you go to like it's not necessarily intended for you especially when you're looking at something like man behind the curtain or something like that where he's got a vision of what he's doing i, I saw an article come up yesterday where hey, i don't know if you saw that article <laughs> Um, but like, so, yeah, so we, I we, live in Leeds. Like, I don't, I don't know if you ever visited. It's a small town, so it's been the you talk. Can't of, avoid that it's article. been the talk yeah. of the town. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've I've done the same thing here. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know that exact situation um, and whether it was warranted or not. But the fact of the matter is, is that if someone comes to your restaurant, they eat all the food, they see nothing while they're there. And then after they leave, they, uh, they go like, Hey, I didn't really like that very much. Give me my money back. Um, he's exactly right. Like maybe it's not, maybe it's not uh, like a restaurant of that caliber. If you have an off night and everybody does, it's usually the case that a chef like that would go like, man, like that fish we brought in is no good. Don't serve it. Or like, Holy cow. Like, three tables didn't finish this course 
maybe it's off tonight. And guess what? Those people aren't paying. Like, but what I often see is that someone comes in to, uh, uh, I'll use my own example, a restaurant example, Alinea. It's, they end up spending way more money than they thought once they get there on the wine and stuff. Their credit card comes three weeks later and then they suddenly email you saying that they got food poisoning at your restaurant because, and I, I I go, I often call them and go like, Oh, by the way, did, did did that jog, did the credit card bill jog your memory of the food poisoning (laughs) that you didn't tell us about? Like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you have told us about that 24 hours later? Like if you were sick or 48 hours later. I've just seen my bill. I remembered that I hated it. It was the worst night. Yes. Yes. And so, um, you know, I, might have been something to do with the free bottles of wine you ordered. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that, that has happened, you know? Um, and so, uh, I have definitely gotten into it with some customers over that because when things go south and we, and we know it, we're the first people to take care of it. So I think, I think, uh, you know, Michael's probably the same way. Right. Um, and I mean, he's, he's crazy. I know he's crazy, but like, you know, he probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have like, you know, gone all the way that, that he did. But at the same time, um, you know, uh, that's sort of the thing. There's no form of entertainment, no other form of entertainment where you pay after the fact. Mm. You don't do it when you go to the, the theater in London. You don't do it when you go to the movies. You don't do it to go to a sporting match, uh, any of those sorts of things. Yeah, and and I like like you come back to say is it, you wonder why Diane, that's why I asked you at the beginning about the sort of effect of a no show because again I it almost sort of seems to me like sometimes it's like a customer says look I didn't I didn't turn up so what are you going to do about it Yeah, and also like there's some systems that they hold your credit card number and they charge you afterwards if you no showed, um, but because there's no agreement like there's no terms of service that says that um you can call the credit card company and they just give the customer the money back Mm. um and those chargebacks are wasteful or whatnot or what they'll say is like okay well just give me a gift certificate for that amount well all you're doing is you're shifting your economic loss to the future so essentially that person's gonna like take up two slots for the price of one Mm. Um, and people are, you know, I think most people get it. Like most diners do get it. Like there's very few, look, I own five restaurants. They all use talk. The number of people that complained about having to put down a deposit or prepay on a Saturday night, one a month out of 4,000 diners a week that we serve. So, you know, it's hardly anyone. And guess what? Those are the people I don't want as my diners. Do you, do you think it's, a little bit easier though for you guys to ask for this uh, money up old, front. Ah, the old question. Like, no, but, well, you can do that. You can do that because you're a linear. But that is, that is, a, do you not think that's a valid point? No, because we weren't a linear when we started that. Yeah, but you are now. <laughs> no, I know. Well, yeah, but I would say we're a linear because of that. Not like, in spite I, of I've it. been, I've been excited to talk about you for like sort of two reasons because, like I say, talk is something that really excites me, really interests me. But honestly, if people and I can, I'm honestly not saying this because I'm in front of you. I really, really, really genuinely mean this. I I'm British, right? It. So I'm honest. Alinea is like if somebody oh, says to yeah, me, "All Brits are honest." All Brits, are, wait, wait, we need to pause there. All Brits are honest. Suddenly, I'm British. I'm that? honest. <laughs> we're, we're too wow. pol- we're too polite to lie. There's a few there's a few politicians <laughs> that, uh, that, that I can bring up right now. That... All right, well, okay. 
I'm honest, right? Um, <laughs> if you if you ask me what restaurant I want to visit in the US, I say Alinea. So it, I do think a, there might be a little bit of like, you know, that Michael O'Hare, Look, he turns people away from his restaurants. No, no, I get it. So um, certainly I could afford to take more risk after having Alinea and try this system and build next and whatnot. But I'll tell you what, in 2010, um, Alinea was not, it was well known. It wasn't internationally known. And it certainly felt like a big risk at the time to do this. So what I always tell people when they say like, well, you could do it because you're Alinea. I said, no, I'm Alinea because I did it. That's, those are two different things. Like, like that's a fair comment. You know, it's like in hindsight, something works and then everyone, you know, taps you on the back and says, you know, good job, mate. That was wonderful. Like, that's awesome. We're all behind you. But when you're starting it out, I go, that's fucking was it, was stupid. That, was that your you're, attempt at being British? Good job, mate. Yeah, right, right. And, and it's like, it was good. Know, thank you. I appreciate it. I love that you're mocking me already. This is great. Um, or I, you know, it's, it's, you know, buy a ticket, come on over. We'll get you in. Okay. Um, I, do, I, I get, um, do I get to go on to the press seats now that I've interviewed you? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, cool. All I right. like that now. That's um, brilliant. I'm, no, I'm on the first flight out. That's right. We, um, no, it's like everyone's behind you now when it goes well. Yeah. But you know how it is. Like, I, there, when we were doing this, I can't tell you the number of people that told me not to do it, including my own business partner at the time. So, like, it takes a certain degree of, of uh, stubbornness, I guess as well as, uh, you know, like a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of hubris, a little bit of like, I don't really give a damn. I'm just mm. going to try this because I think it's right. Mm. So in a way, it's, it's, it's both gratifying and frustrating when people go like, oh, well, you could, of course you could have done that because you're a linea. It's like, no, 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 wait. In 2004, when I quit my job to build the linea, yeah, everyone yeah. I knew told me I was an idiot. Mm. So um, I think... I think in general, the people who build restaurants, um, especially chef driven, you're crazy. That's what you are. Yeah. Right. So I have a high degree of respect for all these folks that I speak to and they're the risk takers. You know, it's all the old Willy Wonka thing, like, you know, Mm. the dream makers, the risk takers, all that sort of thing. And, and I, I feel really strongly that I, I, I feel a responsibility for the people who go on talk to make sure that, they're trying to learn as much as they can from what we've done and mm-hmm. from what other restaurants have done. We're starting to put together like a whole community of these restaurants around the world that share best practices, see what goes well, see what doesn't go well, adjust templating, yield management. Um, you know, when you're a restaurant, everybody, every single restaurant who cares works hard on their service and their, um, and their food. Um, and that's what, 20% of what you need to do to have a successful restaurant. That's uh, it's a necessary, but not sufficient condition to have a successful restaurant. Like you absolutely need both those things, but those two things alone are not going to make you, you'll survive a year on those two and that's it. And then you need PR and you need HR management, you need a social media person. Like you need all these other things that are equally important to the food. 
So I, I um, you know, I do a podcast and um, I read a lot of articles about, you know, how to be a good podcast and this, that and the other. And a lot of the time it comes up about Acast and they host podcasts and they host probably the biggest, most recognisable podcast, right? So I send off and I say, look, I'm just building it right now. I'm going to be big in the future or I'm going to bloody try my best to be big in the future. Um, can I, can I, you know, get in on the ground floor and, and be with you guys because you're the best? And they say, you know, you know, we're bigger deals than you. And I wondered if, at Tok, are you picky now about the restaurants that apply to you? Uh, that's a that's an interesting question. So not in terms of the, the status of the restaurant in terms of price or awards or, you know, whatever, but in terms of the people who run a good business, yes because we want our brand to be a good business. So we have everything from $15 per person pizza places up to the Fat Duck and Millennia and all the Madison Park and all these world-famous places, right? Um, those places are great, but there's only so many of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there are a lot of... Uh, we're getting a lot more uh, inquiries from, from pubs around the UK because they do a lot of events, so, um, you know, it's like, do I want like whatever the best pub in Leeds is to be on talk? Yeah, I do. Cause that place is where I want to go on a Thursday night and do trivia and, and drink beer. Oh, well, if you're so, ever in the area, give me a text and I'll take you to the best pub in Leeds. Right. But you know what I mean? Like, you know what that is in your mind and there might be three of them that you could all argue about. Um, so yeah, we're kind of picky in the sense that we want the great places but we're not picky of them having to be, you know, Michelin starred course down mm-hmm. menus. Like mm-hmm. to me, it's just as important for me to, to go to a great pub as it is to go to, you know, the man behind the curtain. So if, if I'm, um, if I'm a restaurant owner and I'm listening to this and I want to talk about getting talk into my business, um, you know, what's the, what the sort of first steps to get in touch with you guys? Well, um, you can go to talkhq.com, as in headquarters, hq.com, and there's a, a little uh, a little bit about the system there, and you can always just fill out a form, and uh, someone will contact you. Or you can email me personally uh, at nick at talkhq.com. Uh, that's my personal email. And, uh, you know, we're, we, we get about uh, 15 to 20 inquiries a day from all over the world, which is really cool. We're adding a restaurant every day or a little bit more, like almost two restaurants a day right now, which is really kind of mind blowing. <laughs> you know, it's like, I remember I went, um, someone called me a couple of weeks ago and said like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I just went to a restaurant and talk and they named some restaurant that I'd never heard of. I couldn't even tell you what city it was in. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's great. That means it's outgrown. It's outgrown me and my project. We have a team of amazing people here. And, um, you know, I, I kind of looked at the list. We added, I think, uh, 46 restaurants in the last 30 days. And so I looked at the list and I was like, wow, look at all these. And then I went onto their talk sites and I was like, God, look at all these great places, all these great experiences. I mean, the, the key thing about talk that's great for diners is it lets you know what the restaurant has to offer besides a reservation. Um, and so you've got your chef's tables and you've got your tasting menus and you've got your new year's Eve event. You've got all these cool things that they do. And yeah, you can go there and just get an a la carte meal too, but it's like all the great experiences within a restaurant 
are also available on talk. And so I was looking at, at a couple of these restaurants and, um, I live in Chicago and Milwaukee is about an hour and a half away. Um, a lot of people from Milwaukee comes down to Chicago. Not many people from Chicago go up to Milwaukee. Um, and so as soon as I saw this, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go up to Milwaukee and get dinner there one night and spend the night there with my wife and just get a hotel room up in Milwaukee and check the place out. Like haven't been there in 20 years. Um, so I think finding those experiences is really cool for a diner too. Yeah. I, I mean, and your website is, 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 and your, and your booking system is, is helping me do that as well. Because as I search, you know, um, I'm getting married in a couple of years and, and America is one of the places that we're looking at maybe doing a honeymoon. So you go, all right, well, who are these guys featuring? Like I say, because it's like, it's like having a stamp of approval because like, yeah. cause like yeah, you yeah. say to say, well, they only choose businesses that are good. So yeah, it, it, like Napa Valley is a great example. We now have, um, I think, like 12 wineries using it for the winery tours and whatnot. And then we have the French Laundry and Meadowood and Single Thread. And like you could basically just book all these great culinary experiences around the San Francisco Bay Area. And you really can't go wrong. It's really great. And and as well, you know, it's it's important to say as well that as a, as an end user, so I'm like the very end user, you know, I, I actually yeah. really enjoy booking through talk. It's always so easy. It's really self, self-explanatory, straightforward. Um, you know, I pay, I paid a, a deposit to go through home in Leeds. You don't pay like a, f- a full amount all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the restaurant can obviously choose if they want to do whole amount or deposit. Yeah. And, and there's also totally free reservations too. So, um, we have a lot of places that just use it, uh, for totally free reservations, you know, most of the time, uh, very big restaurant, you know, they do three, 400 people a night. Um, you know, don't, don't take deposits cause they don't have to worry about the no show because they're not small. And if, if people don't show up that, you know, they always have empty seats anyway. Um, but then they use the, the, um, deposits or the prepay for events like new year's Eve or Valentine's day or mother's day or something like that. So, um, and you give, you give the restaurateurs and the owners total flexibility then they have, they, they control all of that on the back end. Um, we just make it very easy for them to create new experiences and offer them up to the public. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll, as a part of all the podcasts, I'll tweet a link um, and I'll put a link on the iTunes description to your website. Um, but Great. It, it's just, a, please also don't hang up because I'll say goodbye on the I'm recording. Not hanging and then I'm I'll, not hanging up yet. Don't leave me. Um, but <laughs> then I'll, and then I'll say thank you off air as well. Um, but, you know, like I say, when, when you start these things out, you have sort of milestones. So I can still remember my first ever guest. Um and now my first ever American guest. I mean, how incredible for a, a little lad uh, in his bedroom come office in Leeds to be talking to yourself is, is incredible. I'll, I'll tell you something that I did. Thank you, first of all. And um, I'll tell you something that I, I decided to do when I started uh, building Alinea. Um, as soon as we, it was new to, for me to be reviewed. Like I was a derivatives trader before it. And all of a sudden, like we were in the New York Times that was a really weird experience. And all of a sudden you have public reviews and you have people writing about you on their blogs and all that. So I set up Google alerts for Alinea. And so, um, you know, it's like Google alert comes in and you see some blog. And I remember we were about a month or two old in 2005 and some blog came up and it had like 45 followers. And the woman wrote up just a wonderful review of Alinea. And it was, it was 
it was just great. Like pictures, everything was great. And I went, you know what, this is better written than like 90% of the stuff I read in, in the newspapers and all that. And also it doesn't need to be edited down to something like objective or something of a certain length or any of that. So I just went like, you know what, I'm going to write her a thank you note. And so I did, I wrote her a thank you note email and just said, Hey, that's a great review. Thanks so much for doing that. And she wrote back and said, holy cow, I cannot believe the owner of that restaurant took the time. Like the only people following this are my family. Like, you know, how did you even find it? And so what I decided to do and have done, did for almost nine years straight without missing a day is that every single day I reached out to one customer um, and just said, thanks for the review. Or if it was a bad review, Hey, like, I'm really sorry. I read your blog. Like clearly like something went wrong. Like tell me more about it. And what I realized is that like by writing to 365 day people a year, the impact of that was massive, right? It wasn't those 365 people it was everyone those people knew. And I did that for years and years and years. And at some point I, I kind of stopped doing it mostly because um, Google alerts kind of changed and like I started getting fewer of the blogs and, and everything kind of moved to social media. And so I started doing it more on social media and less on via email and blogs. But, um, I, you know, I can't say enough on how a lot of the people that were sitting in your shoes 10 years ago are in the New York times or on TV or the radio now. And I mean, it's like Alinea has been open 12 years. I've watched people go from in their career, from their personal blog to writing for Eater National, which is the biggest you know food blog uh, news site in America, or um, or the New York Times even or whatnot. And so those people, when they see me, they're like, "Yeah, man, you wrote to me like, you know, when I was in my bedroom, basically, right?" <laughs> and um, that wasn't my intention. My intention was just to try to understand the customers. But the benefit of that is that people who are really earnest about what they're doing and care about what they're doing end up doing it well. Just that simple. Oh, well, when so, I'm an international podcast star, I'll write to you. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'll be like, I'll be like 70 at that point or something. How dare so, you? You're 69 this kidding. year, right? <laughs> there won't even be podcasts by then. You'll have to move on to the next medium. How dare oh, you? The How augmented dare reality. You? Very, very dare Augmented you. reality cast. I'm, t- I'm sending my, my uh, invite now as press to a linear. I don't want to come. I don't want to come. Yeah, Nobody book through talk. It's useless. Hey, you gave me you gave me shit over using the word mate. I can, <laughs> I can give you some. Listen, Nick, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Cheers. And um, it's, it's really great to, uh, to be talking to your part of the world. Thank you. Thank you so much to our sponsors, SousVTools.com. Make sure to check out their website as their range includes not just sous vide, but vacuum sealers, smoking guns, food dehydrators, barbecues, and much, much more. And don't forget, there's a special discount code, THEPASS, which is all one word, all in capitals, and that will allow you for special discount to all the past podcast listeners. Thank you very much for listening, and please check out our exclusive series, our exclusive episodes that are going to be going up soon at suvitools.com. And while you're there, have a little browse.